0: At this time, before we get into the just kind of the things happening and the things that are going on, of course, this this uh, busy uh, time of the year, of course, all of our country uh, is in mourning uh, right now, as was stated this week. If anybody that has kids or even nieces or nephews or cousins knows the heartache of, of the tragedy that has befallen our country and so for a few minutes this or a minute or two this morning I just want to pause and for us to uh, reflect, I'm gonna ask Miss Dina if she would play right now. And if you would just bow your head with me for a second. What I'm gonna do is is I'm gonna read these names. Say a prayer for them this morning. Charlotte Bacon, age six, Daniel Barden, age seven, Rachel Devino, age twenty nine, Olivia Engel. Age six (coughs) Josephine Gay, age seven Anna Marquez Green, age six Dylan Hockley, age six the principal Dawn Hawksprung, age forty seven Catherine Hubbard. Age six, Chase Kalowski, age seven, (coughs) Jesse Lewis, age six, James Matoli, age six, Grace McDonald, age seven, Anne Marie Murphy, age fifty two, Emily Parker, age six, Jack. Pinto, age six. Noah Posner, age six. Caroline Prevetti, age six. Jessica Ricos, age six. Avell Rickman, age six. Lauren Russo, age thirty. Mary Sherlock, age fifty six. Vittoria Soto, age twenty seven. Benjamin Wheeler. Age six, and Allison Wyatt, age six. God, we pause and pray for just a moment that you would just reach down and comfort these families. Obviously, we live in a world that's full of wrong. We don't understand why bad things happen to good people. Dear Lord, that you would help us, give us eyes of faith, even when we don't have any answers. Matter of fact, your words says that sometimes there are no answers for why things happen. And that's reflected in your book of Job and other places, we see that even whenever we have a direct contact with you, that there are no easy answers to some situations. Father, we pray now for the survivors that they would have your peace. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you for that pause. If you notice driving up uh, this morning, our flags here at the church are at half-staff. And uh, there's a uh, many people. Matter of fact, I had two phone calls yesterday from other states about uh, questions why. And uh, that's, there's sometimes we think that God always owes us an answer to tough, tough situations. But did you know that uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is required to give us an answer for every situation? And uh, I've heard it said before, and it's so true that, you know, one day, you know, we can ask him those questions face to face and uh, talking to him. Uh, Thank the Lord for his provision, his help during tough times. Uh, there's a whole task of, of uh, trying to decipher things that's just almost unanswerable, almost unanswerable. So pray for those families, even when we don't understand, and uh, that God would somehow give His grace and hope and comfort in those times. You know, and also to thank the Lord for what He has done for us. If He's blessed your family, be thankful. If He's given to you. And you know that he has. Uh, be thankful for the time that you share together.
1: <laughs> you have to As we celebrate the season sometimes we lose the joy and forget the reason why. But holding the foundation of our earthly celebration is a story of a king who came to die is still alive.
2: Worship you. I can only imagine. I can only imagine surrounded by your glory. I can
0: only imagine. Amen. Thank y'all so much. Certainly, and when we get to heaven, uh, as we've used that verse before, I have not seen. Nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, know that they weren't expecting it. I'm going to, have to go ahead and ask uh, uh, Joel and Anita and Blaine and Blair to ease up here on the stage, and I let I let Joel do all the speaking. Well, we have a lot of guests here today that may not know our missionary family. And, uh, uh, just come right on up. You're doing great, doing awesome. And, uh, y'all just stand here in front of the pulpit. Joel, you get right here in the middle, right here behind the pulpit. And, uh, but reason being is that I'm going to have a, a word of prayer with them in just a second. And, uh, but if you've not met uh, this wonderful family, we do have some guests today. And so, and Joel and Anita Dillahoney, their kids, Blaine and Blair, Uh, they're, he's originally from East Texas like I am, he and I both graduated high school the same year, different schools. And uh, Anita's from Taylor, Arkansas, and then of course, they, these kids have been with them the rest of their lives, and uh, <laughs> imagine that. But anyway, uh, just found them somewhere, but uh, no, nevertheless, uh, I was their pastor for a brief time in Texas, and uh, and then he w- went on the mission field to Jennings, Louisiana, and uh, which I did not know this a few years ago that my Aunt Linda was born there, uh, back when my grandpa had a tractor dealership there. But anyway, and then, of course, in El Dorado, before they became our missionaries, a- right at three years ago and uh it's been three years and one month and so uh before i have a word of prayer and uh yep you've been on the field two years and so we and we called him in november three years ago i believe it was was the final uh hoorah and the uh, get get uh giddy up go and we got started and uh so before you head out, they're leaving their plane leaves at seven. That means they gotta be there at five thirty in the morning. So that's why a trade's them, them all right. <laughs> in the morning. And uh so but anyway he said he had some things to do in my But I'm gonna give you a chance to just address the church before you leave and don't have a word of prayer. can't describe the love we feel
3: for- Promised Land Church uh from, since day one. Uh, we've just been thankful for this church. Thanks for taking care of us, praying for us. Uh, the cards, the emails, everything just means so much to us. Uh, it's been a joy to be able to come back and and share with you what God is doing in person and visit with you. And I I was telling uh, Trey last night, it, it feels like I'm, we're here so little, for me anyway. It feels like every time I come here it's the first time I've been here because I'm meeting new people. Uh, but... But uh, it's exciting to be a part of this church. It excites us as members to see how God is blessing this church. Uh, You may not, because you're here, and you you may not fully appreciate it or realize it, but God is doing a great work in Promised Land Church. And uh, and I just give Him all the honor and glory for that. Uh, We visit a lot of churches, and we're able to to see a lot of different things, but we see that this church, they have a vision that, You know, it's a local vision, but it's it's worldwide, and you're using whatever tools are necessary to reach the people, and uh, it's just exciting to see what God's doing here, and just thank you so much for your prayers. It's a lot different feeling than it was when we left two years ago. Uh, It was just a lot of the unknowns, as you can imagine, and that one-way plane ticket is quite different than a round-trip plane ticket. Uh, Things are different. But this time around, uh, we're all, <laughs> including Blair, we're all excited and ready, ready to get back. Uh, and next time we come back for furlough, Blaine will be on his own just about. I mean, he'll be 18. He won't be going back with us. And, uh, and so that's kind of some strange feelings we're having about that as well, trying to prepare him for his future there. But, uh, but our door is always open. We'd love to have more of you come visit. Uh, and any time, and uh, I just thank the Lord for Brother Michael and his leadership and just uh, his counsel And my, the mission committee, uh, Denise, all the hard work she's done And Dina, everyone involved, uh, no man is an island And we just thank you so much for everything you've done Do pray for us and know that we're always praying for you Thank you so much, Promised Land, for everything that you do for us
0: All right, everybody grab a hand Okay, y'all pray with us, Father I'm just praying right now that you would just bless the Dillahoney family. You would just lay your hand of protection upon them, your hand of wisdom, guidance, and just uphold them, lift them up, encourage them. I know there are always times of discouragement, but dear Lord, I pray that you would help us through those times. And Father, I just pray that many souls would be one And that's what it's all about. We've seen people saved already, and it's exciting. We've seen lives changed. Thank you for this opportunity to just help in this awesome effort in doing the Great Commission together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love y'all. All All right. If you don't know where Belize is, it's just south of Mexico. It's considered Central America, also a part of the Caribbean. And uh, so it's on the caribbean side that's the reason for that. Uh go ahead and open your bibles this morning. Thank you for allowing me that leeway. Joel and Anita and uh they this is a, they will be here tonight uh for we're having the Lord's supper tonight. And uh it was originally scheduled for the last sunday this month. So be here for that and uh look forward to that participating in unity together. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Would you stand for the reading of God's Word this morning? This is an awesome verse. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise or in this manner. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, engaged, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand why Jesus did what he did, why you did what you did in giving your son be our savior in jesus name amen amen thank you you may be seated thank you for the standing reading of god's holy word this is the final in this short series i do have a short series planned for the month of january it's also in the bulletin it's a new day and it's always a great day whenever you can have a brand new beginning a brand new start uh, matter of fact, somebody came to me earlier this week, Wednesday, it may have been last Sunday, I cannot recall, everything runs together. They said, Brother Michael, do we have any of those uh, uh, tracks where you read through the Bible in a year? We do, in our track rack, which is in the four-year. If you would like to take that challenge, it's only, uh, depending on the day, two to three chapters a day. Take you just depend you know just not very long and sometimes when you uh, uh, get uh, if you might get behind it's pretty easy to catch up uh, just but marking it off some people skip around some of them are straight there's two different kinds in our track rack one of them just goes straight through the Bible the other one goes in chronological order and uh, because the Bible's not exactly in chronological order and uh, it's another neat study but how many of you uh used one of those tracks or read through the Bible using some sort of plan last year. Even if you didn't finish, lift your hand. Lift your hand. Okay, read through the reading through the Bible. Okay, that's great. And uh, did anybody is anybody on track to read through the Bible in the year? Anybody on track? Got a couple of hands? All right, on track to read through the Bible in the year? That is awesome. It's okay to acknowledge that. I love my Bible. I want to read and know about my Savior. It's okay to say that, all right? And uh, and to encourage, Because when you do that, you're encouraging others to do the same, okay? You're encouraging others to read their Bible. And folks, that's what I want. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, last year, and I've done it from time to time uh, this past year, it's uh, whenever I started asking you to stand for the reading of God's Word just to Make an emphasis that this is important. There's only one scene in the Bible where people actually stand up for the reading of God's word, and the speaker uh, Ezra didn't even ask them to; they just did it. But they haven't heard the reading of God's word in years, and so when they uh, when he started reading, I mean, this is awesome. I'm standing, because if you stand up, you're at least two or three feet closer, depending on how tall you are, okay? And so they stood up in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. It was an automatic response. And uh, so looking at this, Jesus' birth, we've looked at three things. We've looked at, or we're going to look at the third today. We looked at the meekness of his birth. In other words, he was born a redneck. All that means he was born in the country. He was born in a barn. He was born as unknown. Think of it. He didn't come with a ticker tape parade. He didn't come. And whenever the heaven announced it, they announced it to ranchers, uh, farmers. Guess who the heavenly announcement was? Shepherds and sheep herders. Well, guess what? And they all showed up. There was, of course, that was the meekness of his birth, and we talked the majesty of his birth, which was he was, he was of royal lineage. You've heard of the, uh, uh, misquoted the author, author uh, last week, uh, talked about the famous story that's been remade several times, the prince and the pauper. I think Mark Twain wrote that. And uh, so the neat story. And Jesus was a pop, born a pauper, but he was really a prince, which is pretty neat. And also he was of the house and lineage of David. He was born as the king of the Jews. That was the title given to him by others. And now we're going to see the measure of Christ's birth. And simply this, simply this. If you leave today and miss this, I'm going to try to make it as plain as I can. Why did he have to be born of a virgin? Why couldn't Jesus just appeared boom just 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 boom well first of all the only way to for him to be human and of the human race and by the way his right his lineage all the way back to adam is in luke chapter three now, you don't have to turn there and take you a while to read that one but uh his his lineage all the way back to adam is in luke chapter three which is pretty cool there's only two lineages his royal lineage in matthew in his earthly lineage, if you will, uh, man lineage, all the way to Adam, the son of man, he's called. And all the way, is in Luke 3. Why is he born this way? Why did God do this? Why, did, why couldn't he have just sent a robot? Or sent an angel? Or made something? Why did, why did blood have to be shed? You see, when sin entered, entered into the world... There was a death that took place, and guess what? in order to fix that, there had to be a death take place. God established every covenant, and all that means is every agreement is made, even the covenant of marriage is uh, uh, there's, is with uh there's blood entailed and uh which sounds abnormal, but it is every whenever the sin took place he said. Adam and Eve, I want to cover your sins, but there must be bloodshed. The Bible says, very first time ever in history, an animal was killed and they were covered with animal skins. And so there was blood shed which pointed to blood being shed later, which was, many people believe, it's not stated in God's word, that those animals were lambs. Probably could have been just one lamb. I don't know. God did it. He, so he took that, he shed and he covered them with animal skins. and then from then on, God has established a blood covenant with Abraham, David. And now this new final piece, everything pointed to a coming savior, is called the new covenant. I will establish a new covenant. That'll be, and here was the key throughout the Old Testament. Every agreement that God made was through Israel. Every agreement He made was through Israel. When Israel came into existence after Abraham, obviously, but now He says this new covenant, this way into heaven, will be available to all people. Now, sure, we called people could join the nation of Israel. And worship with the nation of Israel, they were called proselytes. And there was a, a room for that. And so we have here, in this example, Jesus being virgin born. Now, let's go ahead and just uh, crank this up and talk about why he had to do this. In Isaiah, just back up a few pages, not very far, in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. and then our text. I'm just going to go ahead and get them both ready. And it says in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. If you go back to our text, but go back to verse 16, it says, And Jacob begat joseph the husband of mary of whom and the word whom is feminine which means that what jesus didn't come from joseph is pretty it's pretty cool in the study of the language it's pretty cool of whom was born jesus it's feminine it's only referring to mary not to joseph He is listing the lineage there this is pretty neat now why did he have to be virgin born number one He had no sin nature. Did you know You can, uh, if you sin, we're all sinners, by the way, where did you get your sin nature? From your daddy. Every one of you got it from your daddy. It says in the book of, uh, and guess who was uh, Jesus' dad? God. So if Joseph was not Jesus' dad, he was just basically what we'd call a stepdad. He wasn't a biological father. Matter of fact, our text in Matthew one eighteen says, that she was found with child before they got together. Before. So they're just talking about through the engagement process, and she comes up pregnant, and we read the story, and he says, well, my goodness, what in the world is going on here? I mean, I thought we had a good thing going here, and he's thinking, oh, no, if I, if I let this get out, she could possibly be stoned to death because adultery was... You could be punished by that in Jesus' day by stoning. And he says, maybe I can put her away privately. And he's considering all these things, which tells you the process of of mine that Joseph was thinking of. And guess what? Guess who shows up? The angel Gabriel shows up and says, hey, listen. Don't, hey, keep her. You're you're a spoused wife, engaged wife, because when you're engaged in the biblical days, it was considered as binding as marriage. And uh, the only way you could get out of it was by divorce, even out of the engagement process, which was uh, neat to study Jewish weddings. But it says in Romans chapter five verse twelve, it says, "Wherefore as by one man sin entered in the world?" Does it say people say it's Eve's fault? She sinned first, but guess what? Sin didn't come through the woman. Sin came through the man, according to God's word. He holds the man accountable for the spiritual and physical well-being of the home. And then death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. If you skip on over now to Hebrews. I know I've got you hopping, but this is pretty cool stuff. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. It's all there for you. It says this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. Who's that? Jesus that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. In other words, don't quit. Times will get tough. Don't quit. Because you have a high priest that says, we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Well, that's a great theological debate. Could Jesus have sinned? Which tells me He was tempted to sin, but He didn't sin. So let's just take for what God's Word says. He was tempted to sin, yet he didn't sin. You can be safe in saying that. All right. So let's boil it down to where the rubber meets the road. Why? Why was Jesus born this way? Why didn't God just let a man and a woman come together? But it wasn't. The Holy Spirit's seed was placed in the woman. That's what it says. The Bible says that. But guess what that made? Basically this, whenever, whenever that seed was placed inside that woman, basically like this jacket here, God wrapped himself in human flesh. He wrapped himself in human flesh. He became a man. Did you know God cannot die, but God in the flesh could? The only way God could be exposed to death and he became a man why to be your sacrifice and be my it's a little bit further explained notice this this is this is kind of I'm trying to stay as simple as I can but it's it's an amazing truth what we see in in Hebrews 10:4 4 through 14 Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 it says this everything that took place in the old testament didn't save anybody It was their faith in that sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 4 says, It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats... What did they sacrifice in the Old Testament? Bulls and goats and whatever else. But then it says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. Inside of who? Mary. All right? And then it says, uh, in verse. i want to skip down to verse 9 because this is a long reading. But it says, then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will. Jesus said, I'm coming to do your will, O God. I'm taking away the first covenant to establish the second. By the which we will are sanctified through the offering of what? The body of Jesus. You see it there? So I'm just going to kind of sum up that. So this story that I've pointed you to, Tells you why Jesus, God in the flesh, had to be a man. It's all explained right here. He didn't send a lamb. He didn't send a robot. He didn't send an angel to be your Savior. He sent Himself. Himself. Wrapped in flesh. He was God. He was not, He was, He was man. He was tempted, but He was also God in the flesh which is an amazing fact. I just want you to take a peek at something and just just let your let your brain twist on this because a lot of us leave out what Jesus experienced. He, did you know that uh Jesus experienced I think the loss of Joseph. I think Joseph would died at some point in time. While he was still living. So he experienced death. I think also Jesus experienced the death of many of his friends. Now several times Jesus raised the dead. But Jesus experienced everything. He experienced sorrow. He cried. He was upset. In Luke chapter 2. In verse 40. This is a neat verse. The word of God says this. And the child grew. And waxed strong in the spirit. Filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Look at verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Folks, you know what that means? Jesus was not as smart at, say, 2, 6, 12, 14, 20, 30. Did you know according to these verses, Jesus grew in what? Wisdom he learned. He learned, you say, well, he's God, in front of, don't try to harmonize it, just accept it. Okay, he, he, allowed, he basically, I've described it this way, when he came down from heaven, he took off the crown and became a man. And the Bible says he limited himself. Did you know there's things that Jesus doesn't know? Matter of fact, remember, talking about the rapture, what did he say? I don't know, the angels don't know, only my father knows. That's a real simple one to, to grab a hold of. Okay, so Jesus limited Himself. And matter of fact, the Bible says He grew, which means He grew up. I think, I think that he he literally he he had had bumps and and uh, skin places, but he was still a perfect lamb. I think that he was a perfect child. Yes, he was in a a mother's dream. Wouldn't that be great? You know, all of us have raised imperfect, sinful children, have we not? Amen. Okay. And uh, we've all raised these imperfect, sinful children. Imagine having a child that never made a mistake. Uh, that's it. He never. He didn't. But he did still grow. His hair grew. His beard grew. I think he 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 went through puberty just like everybody else did. He you know he he was a baby. He did, he wasn't born with a beard. <laughs> you know later on he developed a beard. Okay. He grew hair. And all this, it says this, but he grew up. Did you know it says that? Stature, what? Two ways. Stature and wisdom. He did it all without blemishing himself or making a mistake. Now, I'll preface that, trying to, you know, trying to describe all that to you. I'll go ahead and say that. He did not blemish his sacrifice. He did not make a mistake. He was without sin. But he was still human, which is hard to grab. The Bible says, and I won't turn to read John and Colossians for lack of time, but it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was our lamb, grew up in the flesh and became a lamb of. He was the Lamb of God. I do want to read, because this is a powerful scripture. It's way on there past Hebrews, 1 Peter, chapter 1, and verse 18. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 18. I hear the pages going. This is great. This is a great scripture. It says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed... With corruptible things. In other words, you can't buy your way into heaven. You cannot buy your way into heaven. From your vain, if you have a King James Bible, it says, From your vain conversation, which means your empty stuff. You cannot, you cannot be good enough to get to heaven you can't, be, you can't join a thousand churches. You can't be baptized a thousand times. You can't get to heaven. Except what? Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, so the measure of his birth, he was virgin-born, he's God in the flesh, he's the Lamb of God, and folks, he's alive today. gonna we'll wrap up with this scripture here. In John chapter 20, we see the very first church kind of limping along. Jesus established it. And uh, Jesus, after, give you the quick chronological order. Jesus lived, born of the virgin, lived for about 33 and a half years, okay? He entered in the ministry at 30. His ministry was about three and a half years long. Then he died for you and me, right? We don't need to leave out the next part, what happened three days after his death. There you go, I hear you. He rose from the grave. Okay. After that, the Bible says he was in a new glorified body. And it tells us how long. For 40 days. And then they waited on the Holy Spirit in the upper room for 10 days. Alright? So 40 days, he's hopping around. He's appearing and disappearing. saying, hey, how y'all doing? Just checking on y'all. Uh, The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, don't have to turn there, it says he appeared to the apostles and he appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And the Bible says at one time he appeared to about five, a group of 500. This wasn't an aberration. It wasn't uh, something made up, okay? It wasn't a, a hallucination. This was really Jesus. He's appearing to different groups. And guess what is in every group? A person named Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas is in this group And uh, he says Remember his famous words And I'm about to kind of echo here in John chapter 20 This is you know, Let's just put it in redneck language here Country boy like, well, I tell you what I know what y'all are saying But I don't believe a word of it I think all of you have been I think those grape wines Was just a little too fermented or something I don't know Something's going on with y'all Something's wrong with y'all Matter of fact, this is the way Thomas put it and it's right in the Bible. It says this I won't believe. I won't believe, y'all, until I put my finger in the hole in his hand and put my hand in his side where that old guard stuck him. And it says that. It says that. And so he's doubting. He doesn't believe him. He doesn't believe him, does he? He does he's up. He's like he's up in arms. And uh, and so as we read that this happened, uh, all of a sudden, in verse 26, that's where we'll kind of pick it up, well, we'll back up, verse 24, Thomas, one of the them, was not with them, the other disciples said that, verse 25 is whenever he's talking about sticking his hand in the holes. And then verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were within. And notice what the Bible includes. And Thomas was with them. And this is what's really cool. It says the doors, just like this building right here, right now, those doors back there are shut and all these. And it says it made a point. The Bible made a point. It says all the doors are shut and boom, he shows up, which means he didn't use the door. Okay. (laughs) That's right. He didn't use the door. And then notice his first words. He didn't say, hey, how y'all doing? Guess what his first words were? Which means I like this. I like Jesus was direct. Jesus, he didn't even say hi to Peter. He didn't say hi to anybody. He walked up to Thomas and he said, hey, old boy. Here you go. Here you go. Come on. Go for it. That's what it says. Look at verse 27. It says that. It says that. But here's the cool part about this. He said, and Thomas just fell down and said, "My Lord and my God." And this is oh, by the way, verse 29 is talking about you. Verse 29 is talking about you. What does it say? "Thomas, you've believed and praised the Lord. Praise the Lord, you believed." But guess what else that that sir? Says, Blessed are they who have not seen, but have believed. And the key to eternal life and getting to heaven is verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life through His name. Whatever God is laying on your heart to do as we prepare for a hymn of invitation, He did it all for you and for me. All for you. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before you this morning. Father, I thank you for the freedom that we have to worship you. I thank you for every family member that is here this morning. And I pray that you would encourage each and every one. Lord, encourage us. Lift us up. We live in a fallen world. We need all the encouragement we can get. Most of all, Father, if there's anybody here that's never been saved, in other words, they've never Realize that, number one, that we're a sinner and that you are the precious Savior. You died in our place and rose again to give us life. That we need to ask you into our life, ask you to be our Savior. We need to pray that prayer while we have this opportunity.